Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Morning, Matt. I'm Alan Pangborn. I'm the CEO of Chesapeake Gold, and I'm happy to be here again today to talk about the Matatis project in Mexico and the recent progress that we've made since we talked last time. Brilliant. Good to see you, Alan. Welcome back. How have you been? Good. Good. Things are moving along, which is nice, and and uh, Canada's all getting vaccinated, which is even better, which means I might be able to start traveling again soon. Fantastic. Okay, well, um, I'm going to point people to a link below um, to our previous conversations we had back in February. We kind of went through how you ended up uh, at Chesapeake. Um, we talked about uh, orderly the the um, technology that you've kind of brought into Chesapeake and the team, the strategy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you made a bunch of promises, which we're about to hear today, whether you've kept or not. So, um, should we should we kick off? Let's let's get let's let's get into it. So we've seen a few press releases. You've been drilling. You've been doing a lot of drilling. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say a lot of drilling. We we drilled two and a half thousand meters to get effectively get 10 tons of material, which we said we would do for the metallurgical test work. Um, we've completed that. We've got all the assays back, and there was a press release that went out a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, 28th of June or something, where we showed the results from that drilling. And it was, um, to say the least, a pleasant surprise. On average, it was 18% above what the block model predicted we should get in those holes. And there was some really significant in, uh, intercepts. You know, one was 432 meters at 1.8 grams a ton gold silver equivalent, which is actually double the grade of of the the average high grade core that's in Metatis. So that obviously asks the question: What does that mean for the overall grade of the project that we're looking at? What does that mean for the high grade core? And so the team's working on what do we do next? Now, we had that pleasant surprise around potentially infill drilling, uh, trying to see if there's actually a, a coherent higher-grade core within the high-grade core, if that makes any sense. Why, so why, why do that infill drilling? You've got 18 million ounces of gold, 500 million ounces of silver. And people are thinking, oh, good, what we need is more gold at this stage, when the, the, the inherent problem that we discussed last time was, the metallurgy, can we get this out economically? So why have you gone down that path of doing more drilling? Simply because the, the, the study that we've been working on focuses on that high-grade core. And it's the first material that you would mine. It's the first material that you go after. And, and if successful, when we do all the test work and everything, a 18% increase in grade you get more ounces literally for nothing. It costs you the same to mine it. It costs you the same to process it. The capital doesn't change. So it doesn't affect the, the study that we, we expect to put out in a couple of weeks as far as those metrics, but it adds 18% to the bottom line as far as ounces produced. That is significant. It impacts your cash costs, impacts your all-in sustaining costs, obviously impacts the profitability and free cash flow. So it makes for a better project. So it's worth understanding before we do the PFS, along with the metallurgical test work, if there is a higher grade core within that main core, and where does that show up in the mine plan 
for that starter project. Explain the process to me, because the, the big challenge that you inherited when you walked in here and, and the perception in the marketplace was that this thing was almost too big. It's $3.5 billion CapEx project, right? It's just so big. It was a handful of companies could come in and do something about that. Um, are you, how are you approaching the, solving that problem? Because obviously that's too big for a company of your size to, to handle. You've got the metallurgy problems over here in terms of we, you know, we can't, the economics just don't stack up for us as it stands. You've introduced a, a technology through, you know, this elderly um, technology, which I'd love to actually talk to you a little bit more about. And you're doing infill drilling because, because, well, why? I don't get it. Three ounces to the bottom line. It's really the short answer. You know, we're, all of the other work we're doing anyway, right? So we didn't drill these holes to, 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 to prove up a higher grade core. We drilled the holes to get material to do the test work that we need to support our project plan. So we're doing that work anyway. The study we're doing that we're going to release in two weeks, we're doing that work anyway. The surprise that they were 18% higher in the target zone that is in that plan goes straight to the bottom line. And so we've got to know if there is a coherent core in there because that will be a nice surprise for the economics, for the shareholders, for all of us. And, and it just makes the project so much more viable for this smaller starter project where you're focused on this smaller core to start with and then expand and expand and expand. So it makes the very first piece of what you're doing more attractive with that higher grade. Right. So it was a it was a it was a bonus that it was higher grade over large intercepts. This was this comes back yeah. to I think you talked about the variability drilling, because the test yeah. work that you're doing, that seems to me the most important thing that you need to solve. Right, and this variability drilling—you need core from different parts of the property to see if this test work works the same, or it needs to be tweaked for each of the the different cores that come up. Is that that? So that's actually what you were trying to do. That what you ended up with was a nice little bonus of higher grade. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And so it. we've okay. we've got what we need now, as far as fresh material that covers the three dominant rock types, which if you look at the, the little diagram that was in the press release, it's very clear. You've got the intrusive, you've got the intrusive breccia, and then you've got the sedimentary material. Um, so the drilling focused, and you can look at the drill traces. If you go to the website, there's some more drilling drawings behind it. Um, you can see that we intercepted sedimentary, intrusive breccia, breccia and, and intrusive. And so now we've got that material to do the test work on fresh material. That was always the work plan. With the money we've got, we can afford to, without having to go and raise more money, infill drill around those higher intercepts and see whether they tie together and the impact they have on the block model, which then impacts the mine plan, which then impacts the first years of production with potentially this higher grade material that we found, which improves the economics. There's no downside to it here. The downside is that we stay where we are and 
I, I, I honestly don't see how you can have five holes that are 20% higher and it's not statistically significant. No, I, I Particularly get, those sorts of grades. No, absolutely. But it, it was it was a nice to have. It was a, you, you weren't expecting yes. it. Okay. So I just want to be sort of clear. You weren't going out seeking to increase the, the amount of gold that you've got there or, or even necessarily the no. certainty of that. It was around the, the mat results because you've never been cash, you haven't been cash constrained since the raise of last August. No. You're technically constrained. So it might be yes. worth just kind of going over, if you don't mind, the the technical work that you're doing. Because you said to me, got it here, it, it's a sort of 18, 24-month process you've got to go through. So what have you done in yeah. the last six months since I saw you? Um, so in the last six months, um, it's been principally focused on getting this drilling program done to get the materials and then get that up to Vancouver. And as I said, I think I said a little earlier, We've completed that drilling program. We've got all the assays. We've selected all the samples that we're going to bring up. And, and um, they should be in a truck this week heading up from Durango to Vancouver. Um, and then once we get them to the lab, we've selected the lab. We've been doing a few CIDA tests with that lab just to, just to iron out any bugs in the procedure so as we both understand what we need to do, how we need to do it. And so they're getting ready to be able to start the full program um, sometime in August. And then over time, we'll start getting those results. Now, the program can be broken up into multiple pieces over that 18 months to two years. I don't need to wait all two years to get an answer. Because we're focused on the intrusive and the intrusive breccia, which is this higher grade core, um, that's the test work we'll do first. That's the, the, the samples we'll do first. So is that when we do the pre-feasibility study, which will take the study that's coming out and, and, and uh, improve the accuracy of it and improve the level of information behind it in the data collection, that will have the results of the test work for the primary ore that's going to feed that starter project, which is the intrusive. So we'll do the intrusive and intrusive breaches in that order, and then the sedimentaries last, because the, the economics always drives you to that intrusive. And then the seds and the and and, and expansions and things come after that. Okay, but more, so just, just broadly and less technically for some of the audience here, you, you are taking sulfides and you're trying to make them Oxidize, take gray rock, yes. make it brown rock, right? Very good. I know, right? <laughs> I listen occasionally. Um, but then, you, so with core, how does that work? Because it's still at lab, right? We're not sitting outside. We're not sitting with, you know, large tonnage here. So what precisely no, are you trying to we, do? We no, know, we know that sulfides will oxidize, full stop. That's why the oxide ore body is always on top of the sulfide ore body. And that's why you have acid rock drainage that all of these sulfide mines that have rainfall and oxygen. And given the entire planet has oxygen, the rainfall is the issue. Yeah. And so, so we know that sulfides will oxidize. We know in the case of metatis that if I grind it to bug dust and put it in an autoclave, they oxidize. So I know both ends work, right? The key is... The bug dust is very expensive. Waiting for God to do it will be here for billions of years. So that's out. That's out. The obvious point in the middle is the heat leach. Um, and so you're, you're accelerating nature 
but controlling the chemical process behind it. So getting the fresh core samples and doing that in the lab first, what I'm looking for is how much do I have to oxidize? Zero to 100. Obviously, zero doesn't work. Otherwise, it wouldn't need to oxidize sulfides. It wouldn't be refractory. 100 works, but it takes a lot of energy and a lot of t- or a lot of time to get there. So where along that curve do I need to be to get reasonable metallurgical recoveries of gold and silver that are economic? So that's one thing, time and oxidation. So how much oxidation do I need? How long does it take to get there? That is the fundamental focus of the test work program. So we'll put on multiple columns with the same material in, oxidize for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, 180 days, then switch the chemistry to ox to leach the gold and silver that's been released at 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, etc. And then I can draw a really nice little curve that says, for 30 days oxidation with this much sulfide oxidized, I get this recovery. And then the same, and then the same, and then the same. And then you can pick the economic point on that curve that then supports your PFS. That's the whole focus of the study. Wash, rinse, repeat for the different ore types, intrusive, intrusive pressure, sedimentary. So what assumptions are you making for the study which you're talking about coming out over the next few weeks then without having so, done that work? So we've, we've made some assumptions based on other test work we've seen other results we've seen, some interpretation, interpolation of previous test work done By who? on metatasis ore. Okay. On, on, some of it's on metatasis ore. Um, the others I can't really tell you who because they're all covered by CAs. It was work that Oldley was doing looking for a deal. So we've got an idea of, of time recovery, what it looks like on other sulfides. And so we've taken what I believe are reasonable concerns conservative assumptions behind that. Um, and, and that coupled with, if, if I turn the question around, if this was an oxide ore body and you had to assume or guess a recovery, what would it be? And most people will tell you in the 70 to 80% range from a half inch crushed heat leach can be as high as 90. If it's really refractory and it's not oxidized, it can be lower than that. But if you've oxidized it, and that's the key, we're going to we're converting sulfides to oxides. The then heap leach recovery should be similar to an oxide heap leach, which is in that 70 to 80 percent range. Okay. So it still feels like a little bit of trust me, it'll be okay. And without this work to, to support it. Um, because it still relies on this on, on the magic black box, which is which is elderly, right? And and they're not forthcoming with mm-hmm. information. You've got a, a non-exclusive deal with them to use it how you how you see fit, but they haven't yet released anything to the market about some of the the, the project which they're using that that they're working on, have they? No. Right. Okay. So, and they probably won't for some time. Yeah. I mean, ne- neither of us until. Until I've got test work to support my ore, right? I'm, I'm, yes, I'm making some, well, I believe, defendable assumptions around the recovery and the time to get there. 
And that's based on a combination of things across, as I said, other ores I've seen as elderly and others I've seen over my career and how they behave. Um, it's, it's connected back into the copper industry, which I talked about last time and how, how, man, we've been doing this for 30 years in the copper industry and look over the fence. We can oxidize sulfides and the metal out and, and the copper industry produces over a million and a half tons a year of copper today doing that. So it's not new to oxidize sulfides and recover metal. Um, the, the new bit is alkali in the gold industry. Yeah. So yeah, it, there's there's assumptions, and and people can make their own view of what those assumptions are and whether you believe it. But I can point to many, many, many oxide gold heap leaches crushed to half an inch that do better than the recoveries that I've assumed. What you have to get your head around is: will the sulfides oxidize? And can we do it in a time that's appropriate to get our gold and silver? Yeah, 30, and the only way I can support that is to have actually done the test work on this this sulfide. Right. So, you're 35 million bucks last time we spoke, February, uh, mm -hmm. there or thereabouts. How much have you got left? Yep. Um, I haven't closed out Q2 yet, so I can't actually tell you. What, we're, okay. We're what did you close? Q2 close. What did you close Q1 with? 35, because it actually went up a bit because there were some options that were um, exercised okay. and paid. What's your typical burn rate per quarter? Oh, that's a good question. We haven't released it, but um, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of people total in the company. Um, apart from the drilling, the test work, which we haven't started yet, or we've only tickled it, um, and, and then the study work, you know, if we're not burning we won't burn more than three, four, five million. Okay, okay. So in, in a very meaningful way, Alan, you, whatever your um, study comes out and says in the next few weeks, you don't really care because you've got enough cash to go and do what you want to do and get some of these results in. Is that right? Um, I, I, I wouldn't say I don't care. I, th I think it's, it's, it's really important that I get something into the market that the analysts and the shareholders can look at and go, all right, I'll buy that. I, I believe you. If it works, and, and look, some people will be still saying if it works right up to when I'm pouring gold, right? And that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's, it's always show me. So fine. What I'm showing you is this is potentially the size of the prize for Metatis with some credible engineering and a study by an independent third-party engineers that says this is what the project looks like. That's the size of the prize just for the starter project. Okay, well, well let's talk, just let's talk about that. Just 15,000 tonnes a day. Well, let's talk about that because, that, okay, I'll, I'll park the technical component, but I will come back to it for now. So, Okay, we're going with a starter project, smaller starter project because, well, a company of Chesapeake's size can't do three and a half billion bucks worth of capex. It's not going to happen. That's right. Um, so tell me, tell me about the, the the scale and where you start, and you know what sort of quantum roughly could we be talking about? What sort of things could we look forward to in the study that's going to come out? What's it going to tell us? So the the study should show 
that there is a significant reduction in capital, very significant reduction in capital, to something that we believe would be financeable, deliverable. A 15,000 ton a day project is not a big project. It's lots of people can build them. I've built them before. It's, it's, it's not complicated. Yeah, a heap leach project is not complicated. The physical build, digging the hole, building the crushing plant. So significant capital reductions, better operating costs, lower environmental impact because I don't need a ton of water and a ton of power, which makes the permitting piece of it easier. Um, and, and apart from the technology bit, it's simplicity. Heat bleaches are inherently simpler to mine, operate, and control than an autoclave plant. So that, that's what should come out in the study. It should show that there is a for Chesapeake, right? I mean, there are people out there that can finance $3.5 billion projects. We're just not one of them. Right? But for Chesapeake, we believe that the study will show that there is a credible, financeable, deliverable, and then expandable project based on the Metatis project um, that we can move forward with. And that's what we've always said we want to do and how we want to do it. Okay. And, but some of the infrastructure demands won't have gone away, will they? I mean, you're... You, you need, well, what, 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 what do you think you'll need to chip in? Well, for? no, they, they do because, because the, the autoclaves, so if you look at the old project, you had the mine up the top of the hill. You had a crushing, grinding flotation plant up there. You had to have somewhere to put billions of tons of tailings, right, and waste. The, the smaller project obviously doesn't move billions of tons, or if it does, it, it will be 200 years later. Yeah. Um, the other project also had a secondary site down in Sinaloa near a little town called Kosala, where they had the autoclave, the oxygen plant, etc. The water consumption on an autoclave plant is about seven times what it is on a heap leach. The power consumption is 10 times what it is on a heap leach. So those two alone, you know, the original project, it might've been third party, but there was a power plant in there. There was a lime plant in there. There was a desal plant to replace all the water that you're using in the, in the catchment area up above. So there was a lot of infrastructure. There is no desal plant. There is no power plant because our power consumption is so much lower, we can connect on a power line that's nearby and get the power off the grid. So I'm not even having to install diesel gen sets apart from emergency power on site. Yeah. So all, there is a lot of infrastructure requirements that go away. They just go away because you don't trigger them. Your power consumption isn't in the tens or hundreds of megawatts that you need a power station for it. Yeah, you can't pull that off of a 110 kV line, right? You can for a heap leach at this size. So you, 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 you avoid all of those high expensive triggers for infrastructure. 
So it, it, it has a really big impact specifically on the capital. And for a company our size, that is probably the most important metric of can you finance the project you're proposing? And once it's up and running, potentially the expansion self-fund from cash flow. Depends where the gold price is, but you know, there's the, it will contribute to the expansion capital. But it depends, it depends where the gold price is. Depends what the recovery rates are. And that'll be the kind of slightly gray, yeah. the gray uh, area of, of any reporting between now and getting funding to move things forward, won't it? Because you're you're going to pr- produce a study now. Mm-hmm. You're aiming to do the PFS by when was it again? I couldn't quite remember. Uh twenty twenty two. It so was, next year. But, but Q, Q4 2022, is that what we're aiming for? Yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, somewhere around there. Right. Q3, but, Q4, I can't remember. Okay, but you, you said that, that it's, it's fine. The, the test work that you're doing, the fact that it won't necessarily be complete, won't hinder your ability to deliver that PFS. Is that still correct? No, because because the, 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 the second part or third part of the program, so intrusive, intrusive breacher, key for the study, key for the start of project. SEDs come afterwards, so I don't have to wait for that. Variability test work within that um, needs to be done for the, for the feasibility study. For PFS level accuracy, you don't normally need all of the variability test work. You really need that for the feasibility study to go raise the money because that's when you're making some serious decisions. Yeah. So, so the, the plan is get the test work you need to support the numbers that are in the PEA that, that then gives you a PFS that's, that's again, credible project. Yeah. So this study is size of the prize and why we're going down this route and why at Metatis it should work. The PFS is credible, supportable across the entire range data to support the assumptions that are in the PFS. Feasibility study is the level of accuracy, which unfortunately the junior sector tends to avoid sometimes, to actually be able to build it and deliver the final result. I've been burnt before. I don't need to skip steps. You do it right. Yeah. And I think, as I said to you before, I would much rather build it right than fix it afterwards. Okay, so if let me ask you this: I know you've had some infill drilling; the grades are eighteen percent higher on on average. Fantastic. If the elderly test process does not significantly or meaningfully increase recovery rates in terms of the, the metallurgical component here, can the new smaller setup work without it? Well, first thing we know that the the oxidation process will oxidize the sulfides. What we're doing in the test work is time and level. It's not if it works, it's how long and how much oxidation to get you the recovery you need to do, right? So, so the first premise of if it doesn't work is not is incorrect. Okay. Yeah, we know the chemistry works. We know that the metatis sulfides oxidize. What the test work will give me is how long to get to a point to get to that recovery that we've assumed in the study, right? So it's a time thing. It's not an if thing. Right. So, so get, I, just, I just want to get people to get to a point where you go, okay, it's a, it's a, it's a when, not if. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's buy that. 
what what is the what's the trade off for you? I mean, you can't sort of sit around. It, it, it's it'll be ten years. We'll just sit here for ten years. It's not going to be that, is it? So you no, got to no, say, no. It, it, yeah, okay. It 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 won't be ten. That I do know, right? If I look at any of the test work that's been done on this, even with alternative processes that oxidize sulfides in heat leaches, copper business, other gold projects. You know, I I think I might have talked about some time ago. Um, there was a biox process that they tried and it didn't work. And there was some other reasons on why it didn't work. And the key is that you go alkali and stay alkali. Um, but even they were able to get the sort of recoveries that we're assuming in the study. So I know it will get there. And the time piece, they had time ranges in which they did it in a biox heat leach which they did it in the copper business. You know, we know in the copper business, you can get to 50% recovery of the copper in 90 to 120 days. To get from 50% to 80% takes longer. Yeah. And in copper, because it's linear, it, it can be quite a while. It'll be a year to two years. Right. And you're right. How long do you want to wait? The, the trade off is. You can do it in minutes in an autoclave, but it costs you three and a half billion. You can do it in months in a heap leach. Capital is, is a fraction of the autoclave capital. The difference is working capital, right? I have to add in how many months does it take me to oxidize? Because I'm not making any revenue in those months. I'm spending all the money, <laughs> but nothing's coming out the other end yet, right? So, so a typical 15,000 ton a day operation will cost you seven to $8 million a month. Forget all the accounting BS. Cash that has to go to site to keep the place going, seven to $8 million a month at that size, yeah? So do the numbers. If it's six months, it's $50 million, yeah? If it's nine months, it's, what's that? Nine by seven, 63, is that right? $63 million, call it $70 million, right? So how much is the capital cost gonna come down from three and a half billion to the heap leach capital, add in the working capital, which is the time you've got to wait, right? So, but, but that's all I wanted from you. Know, you. They're, they're, I just want to understand the quantum. You're talking months, not years, initially, because you want to get revenue flowing, right? So there's two, mm -hmm. two, there's two questions. Promise I'll get to them. But okay, so, so it's months, not years. Or is it a case of actually you'll have, if you've got as much um, ore, gold in the ground, as you say, can you have several lines which sit, the longer you leave it, the better the recoveries, presumably. Is that, that's going to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So the initial goal, yeah. you have to make that trade off between do I make this, do I just get revenue flowing and therefore it'll be slightly more expensive initially, but eventually we'll kind of get to an optimum time frame. You've got to work that quantum out, haven't you? Um, there's, there's, a, there's a trade off as you get further down the, the oxidation curve of how, how much gold you're getting for yeah. time okay. and what that's worth. And also what the reagent consumption is to neutralize the, the sulfates that are being generated. Got it. Okay. Right? So, so there's actually a time 
value of money type trade-off on that tail is the 0.1% per week extra recovery worth the cost of circulating the solution, the reagent consumptions versus the gold and silver. So what is the curve goes up, flat lines, and then drops off? No, no, it doesn't drop off. It, 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 always, it always keeps going. Right. Because eventually it gets to 100% oxide, right? It's just, can I really? afford to wait? Oh, yeah. That's why the oxide deposits are on top of the sulfide deposits. Back but, to discussion but, number but one. Time, time frame for that would be what? Oh, God knows. But you never go there. Yeah. You never go there. Okay. Right? Okay. Despite most metallurgists wanting 100% perfection, and I'll shoot myself because I'm one as well, but, you know, there's an economic discussion. Why right. Why do you want 99% recovery if you've got to grind it to one micron? You can't afford to. So you accept 95 or 90, 90 okay. or 87 or whatever. So it's always an economic trade-off. Yeah. So, and that's why we've got to do the time time oxidation recovery test work to know what that recovery trade-off curve looks like. Okay, so can I can I just ask um the other question was just I was just trying to understand how the moving parts here. So yeah. was the was the base recovery level that you're starting with 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 none of the oxidization happening? I mean what what, what range oh, are you trying to hit? The, the the current no no with no oxidation, right? Zero oxidation. The old test work that I believe is in the public domain shows that the recoveries are in the teens. Right. Okay. So you've got a big range right? to no work oxidation. With. But the other the other end of the scale, you put it in an autoclave, grind it to 10 microns, you can get 95% recovery. But you know, we all dream about driving a Lamborghini. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I won't show you the toys that are behind me. Yeah, but um, <laughs> uh, it, but you know, it's it's it's. But we all own a car to go from A to B. It's an economic decision. We would all love to get a hundred percent recovery. It's just some more bodies won't won't play ball and they won't give it to you. Okay, so you're starting in the somewhere in the teens. If I mined the ore and did nothing to it except heat bleached it like a conventional oxide heat bleach. If I got 15% recovery. Big good at the office. Right. Okay. So you, you've got, you've, okay. And where do you, well, I know the study's coming out, but it would need to get to a minimum of what type of level of recovery for you to say this is going to be a success. Forget optimizing. Just I'm talking about I'm, bare I'm, minimum. I'm going to be painful and not actually answer you again and turn it around and say, what is an appropriate rate of return for the project to move ahead? Is it 10%? Is it 30%? Is it 50%? What do you want the return to be before you go ahead? Obviously, the $3.5 billion project with, with 90 whatever percent recovery um, and a, I think it was about an 8 or 10% IRR didn't cut it. Otherwise, it would have been bought and built by somebody. So it's got to be better than 10%, right? Where? As high as I can get it. Well, of course, right? And, and again, you know, we, we've, we've made some defendable, I believe, defendable assumptions around recovery. Recovery by grade gives you ounces, ounces, 
just gives you cash flow. Cash flow gives you the economic results. Yeah. People will need to, to think through and decide, do I believe that I can get a recovery in those sorts of ranges in a heap leach when you've oxidized the sulfides? I believe the answer is yes. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. I wouldn't put the study out. True, true. Look, it's, I mean, it's difficult. We can say it's, a, it's defendable. Nothing's defendable until it's done, right? You know, and you've, I know you've started a process to, you know, get the testing. You, you've got an opinion and a track record and expertise, uh, which lends you to believe that you may be able to get yeah. there. But I think the, the, I guess the long pole intent with you guys is always going to be, well, show me that the recoveries are going to meaningfully increase from, mid-teens to something where you can show th this would be a reasonable recovery for us and this would bring reasonable returns for shareholders and 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 the, and the company right that's and 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 that's why we did the drilling and we're going to do the test work to be able to get that support but that takes time however we believe that our shareholders deserve and need to understand why we're going to spend 18 months, two years going down this route. Because if the size of the prize was ho-hum, why would you do it? Go and find something else to do. Don't waste my money, right? Which would be a perfectly respectable comment for a shareholder to make to me. I don't believe that this is going to work and don't waste my money. Yeah, but the size of the prize and the ability for us to go from being a forgotten exploration story to a producer is potentially big enough that you take that route and you do the work and you invest the, what is effectively a very small amount of money that we've got at the moment for potentially a very large prize because it's a very large ore body. But you're making it sound like, and, a, like, and, a, like a binary outcome. I'll tell you what, we'll take a punt on this. If it works, we, we hit it out of the park. If it doesn't, we tried. No, no, I wouldn't say it's binary. I've, I've been around enough of these projects that you, you know, you, 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 you walk into the wall, you shake yourself down, you stand up, take two steps back, have a rethink and put your head down and have another go at the wall. Yeah, or get, yeah, go around it might be a better idea than trying to go through it again. But, but it, you know, it, it's tenacity is a virtue, believe me. Um, but every, every, everything you do, every test you do, every piece of information you get adds a piece to the jigsaw puzzle. There is a solution. We know if we go to the extremes, it works. We know it's, it's not a metallurgical problem. It's not, right? It's an economic problem, right? Metallurgically, can you recover the gold from the metatis ore? Yes. Flow to concentrate, put it in an autoclave. Ah, but you can't afford that. Yeah, but that's a different problem. That's not a metallurgical problem. Right? That's an economic problem. It's an economic problem you can't get the capital. It's an economic problem on whether you want to accept a 10% rate of return project. Right? Now, the other thing you need to keep in the back of your mind, that project was done at $1,100 or $1,200 gold. 
Gold's at 1,800 today. So that large project could be very attractive for others today if you believe the gold price is going to go further up or it's going to be around for a long period of time. So that is not an invalid option. Metallurgically, we know it works. Technically, it's proven technology. It just ain't a great project at a large size with a large capital at $1,200 gold. Well, but we're not at $1,200 gold now. Yeah. So why don't you do that one? Well, you don't do that one because how do I finance a three and a half billion dollar project? Yeah. Like, I, like I, I think, I think, you know, you made you made the case, and you know, it's not metallurgical. We will see. You will you will prove that, and you, and you know, you will pick a point in the curve to use your phrase from earlier. And yeah. I want to see what that point of the curve does to the economics. And I get that you're concurrently having to move, get everything else going too. So you, you, you're getting on with that, not just sitting about waiting for the, the metallurgy to happen. So I think, I think yeah. that's good news. Um, I guess the next point we got to look for is, and you, will you come back on and talk to us about it, which is the study whenever this comes out? For sure. Brilliant. Okay. Sure. Good. Now I look forward to that. Um, that'll at least put a stake in the sand. We'll see what your assumptions are. And uh, see when, for me, the bit is when can you start, you know, you make some assumptions where sort your words defendable. Great. I want to sort of start seeing when we, you can start putting in real numbers to this over the next, you know, 12 months or so. It looks like you're, you've started the process. So yeah. that'll be, again, exciting to look forward to. And, and I think it's, it's a journey, right? It's, this is the concept. We're going to do this drilling, done that. Nice surprise. Okay, fine. You can value that or not value that. Doesn't really matter. Um, come out with the first pass on the study. This is what the size of the prize looks like. You know, there's 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 a there's a there's a known path to development. You have a concept. You have a pre-feasibility that looks at size and options and all sorts of other fun things. And then you have a feasibility study. Get money. Go build. Right, assuming you pass all those toll gates, um, the bigger companies have very, very rigid systems that you do that. There's a reason for that, yeah. Um, and so this study that's coming out is that first step. It's is there a defendable concept that will deliver a prize that is suitably attractive enough for us to continue down that journey, or do we? Have we walked into a wall, take two steps back and have a rethink, right? I don't think we're at that point, yeah? That point, you've got to do the test work first. Yeah, this study is really, does it justify, does the size of the prize justify continuing to spend the $35 billion, million dollars, sorry, I wish it was billion, $35 million to determine whether all this works or not. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.